Catcher in the Rye by J.D. Salinger, chapters one through eight. We did spend a lot of time in class talking about J.D. Salinger, the man and the writer. But for the sake of the podcast, we're going to focus on the text itself. Chapters one through eight establishes who Holden Caulfield is. And while people love the voice of Holden Caulfield, we have to understand the boy behind these thoughts and actions. Because the rest of the story, post chapter 8, really takes off. In these first chapters, we really have to dissect and analyze who we're dealing with. Because it's really easy to get in many ways mesmerized or enchanted by the voice. Which at times is very relatable but maybe for not the ways that you want it to be relatable. What we're dealing with here is a situation where there is a young boy in Holden Caulfield. At this point, he's telling us the story as a 17-year-old, but the story itself is taking place when he's 16 years old. He's about to get kicked out of his fourth school. And what we need to think about this is what that tells a a kid or a student that they aren't wanted, that they're not good enough. So while, as we see this with Holden, we have to understand that these are justified actions by these institutions. The physical experience of being dismissed is going to be jarring, is going to present a setback. There is embarrassment associated with it. And a huge part of what we're looking at here is how a young boy is dealing with embarrassment. And the reason why I'm referring to him as a boy is because he admits that's how he behaves. At the age he is, he feels like he acts like he's 13 years old. He mentions that there's at times when he feels even more childish than that. But the embarrassment that he's feeling is absolutely masking the depression that he's going through. And there's a significant difference that we need to focus on in the text between how Holden externally behaves when dealing with other people around his age versus, as well as the adults versus how his internal monologue is being expressed and exposed to the reader. There is a stark contrast. His conversation with Mr. Spencer is a perfect example. He's very cordial and polite externally while being internally incredibly uncomfortable with with the situation as well as trashing everything that Mr. Spencer is saying. And while this scene might be very relatable, it speaks to a boy that is very damaged. And we know why he's damaged, both physically and emotionally. Holden's brother, Allie, died of leukemia. And by the time we are meeting Holden, we have to assume that it is some time has gone past, but that he's still dealing with what this has done to him emotionally, which is now manifesting itself in a physical nature. And we see that with that discussion with Mr. Spencer, that he knows he's letting people down who care about him, who want him to succeed. He knows he should be doing better and that he is capable of doing better. But he's unable to get out of this funk. There's no escaping it. He is simply stuck. 
and he can't move. And the only thing he wants to do in a lot of ways is hold on to moments to try to feel something, to try to make sense of it, because ultimately what he feels is sadness or nothing. And he's seeking out some joy. He's seeking out some way of being connected to anything and anyone. But he doesn't know how to do it right now because he's not in the right headspace. It's why when he's getting kicked out of Pensy Prep, that final moment for him truly there, there's two different final moments if you really want to think about it that way. There's the one where he's on the hill, standing next to the cannon, looking down at the football game. And it's pointed out, he points out that he's the only student not really down there. Now, that might not really be true. But he's establishing himself right away as the outsider, as the one who's not with the group, who's not with everyone. And he's isolating himself. And then he projects this attitude of toughness, of judgment of others, that is deflecting how he really feels about himself. He's insecure, he's sad, he's depressed, and he needs help. But asking for help seems to have been a problem. He doesn't know how to necessarily ask. And this time spent at boarding schools has not been the answer. So as he stands on that hill looking down at the football game, he's casting judgment, but he's also isolating himself. But he's up there in an attempt to say goodbye, to feel something other than sort of the numbness that he's experiencing. And he can't think of very much to hold on to beyond a time when he was throwing a football with a bunch of guys before dinner. And that's the only real moment of joy or looseness. And you got to think of that. It's a very relatable thing. Just going out there, having fun, messing around, throwing a football. There's no pressure. There's no game. It's no practice. They're just out there. And in that moment, he could not think about all the other things that he has seen, which we're going to talk about later in the text, that the death of Ali is not the only death that he's witnessed. And this feeling of isolation, this feeling of him propping himself up, saying that he's better than everyone, he knows more than everybody else, he's got all the answers, is just deflecting the fact that he doesn't have those things. He wants to be different, But internally, he's dealing with a wide range of thoughts and ideas. He doesn't necessarily have a plan of attack. And he's filled with isolation and sadness. So while it's funny to think about the comments he makes and the way he at times sticks it to people in his own thoughts, but very rarely does he open his mouth to say anything along the lines that matches what he's thinking inside, which, once again, is relatable. He's somewhat of this anti-hero, but by choice. But what consistently in this novel sort of sparks a lot of the actions of Holden is he's not really an anti-hero. He liked to see himself that way. But he's someone who wants to be included, wants to be part of a group that is successful, which we'll talk about here in a second. Because we see it. We see it with how he treats Ackley. Ackley is an, is an outcast as well. But he doesn't really want to involve himself with Ackley. 
Guys like Ossenberger and Stradlater, Stradlater being the main one, those guys are popular. They're the handsome guys. They're the guys going out on dates and being involved with the school and the, the guys that stereotypically get all the attention. He's jealous of those guys. He's frustrated by their success. He feels like, as pointed out in these early chapters, there's a game being played in life, but it's only played fairly if you're part of the popular crowd. Everybody else, there's no game to be played because you're on the outside. You're not even allowed into the game to play, which was in that conversation with the headmaster at Pensy. So you got to think about this idea that he's constantly figuring out a way to cut up both the bottom, a kid like Ackley, and the guys at the top, someone like Stradlater. He goes as far as pointing out that his own brother's success in Hollywood kind of disgusts him a little bit, even though there's a little tongue-in-cheekness to it, obviously. So in this moment, when we think about what Holden is dealing with, we have to focus on the fact that he lost his brother. He's never truly dealt with it. We get that description of him trying to, to break all the windows, and he breaks his hand. And he's smashing the windows out in this, in this garage area. He tries to break the car windows. He doesn't know how to handle these emotions. And while he feels like and wants to present himself as this counterculture antihero, he wants to be someone who's saving kids because he ultimately wants to save his brother and he couldn't. So everything that happens from chapter 8 on, we'll just say chapter nine on is about Holden trying to find this balance between fronting like the person that he feels like society is making him out to be versus the person who he wants to be inside, but he doesn't feel comfortable with that person. He simply wants to be part of the group, but he can't because internally he's not there. We don't get a lot from his parents. We never do in any of these chapters. We only meet his sibling later, his sister. We get references to his older brother. We get a reference to, obviously, Allie. And we see that Holden is by himself being asked to deal with a very heavy situation. And the solution has been go to school, continue on with your life, and it will be okay. And Holden's not okay. That's why we get to chapter 8 and he's on the train talking to Mrs. Morrow about her son giving the fake identity and just lies the entire time for his own enjoyment. There's a place of true sadness in this, in this interaction because he's enjoying this on one level, but there's a role in bear, of embarrassment playing itself out. He doesn't want to be who he really is in this moment. He doesn't want to explain who Holden Caulfield is to this woman. He'd rather make up a ridiculous lie about a brain tumor and spend the summer traveling with his grandmother. And this whole scene's awkwardly done because it's him deflecting because he doesn't want to be who he is. He wants out. Not because he's embarrassed, but because he misses his brother he does not know how to deal with the loss of his brother. He's never dealt with it in a way that's given him any sort of con conclus con conclusive feelings. 
He is someone who simply is seeking out companionship and ultimately love while feeling completely numb inside. And life is not allowing him to move on because every time he goes to these schools and ultimately gets kicked out, the result is very simple. He's being told over and over again he's not good enough. He's not to be accepted. He's dealing with being an outsider, the transition of always being the new person at these schools. And the only person he thinks he can blame is himself. Because as the conversation with Mr. Spencer goes and the note he wrote on his exam, it's all about the fact that he knows he could do better. Don't feel bad about failing me. Because Holden wants to be someone who's not hurting others. He doesn't want to make people feel as much as he sort of puts up this attitude internally. His interaction with Mr. Spencer is an important one to consider when we look at the entirety of the novel because he doesn't want to hurt Mr. Spencer's feelings. He doesn't want Mr. Spencer to be hurt by failing him. He just wants to say, listen, I failed. You do what you got to do. Don't feel bad about it. And that is because he is someone who doesn't want others to hurt the way he's hurting. And we have to watch his interactions, his frustrations, and the wide range of emotions that he's going through because Holden Caulfield is not someone who's moving his life forward. He's unfortunately in a rut, being told over and over again that he's not good enough, that he's the problem, that he needs to make the changes, that he needs to improve. When it's clear that he needs help, he needs assistance, he's not going to be able to be successful or change his life until he comes to peace with the loss of his brother and and can forgive himself even though he did nothing wrong. That's essentially who we're dealing with and we need to analyze that and think about that because it's going to be a factor as we look at his decisions once he starts making his way into New York and how he tries to be this adult because in many ways he's trying to run away from childhood but being drawn back to it with these conversations and ultimately what he talks about and, and goes to the park with his sister later on in the novel. This weird space where Holden is both trying to be the adult to get out of this childhood, to move his life into this race to the next phase of life, but constantly being drawn back to the innocence of childhood, which we have to assume would connect him to who he was prior to the death of his brother. So a lot to consider, a lot to think about. We'll keep working on this in big chunks because I do think it's a great way to analyze this text. And while you're enjoying the voice and the character of Holden Caulfield, let's keep in mind that a lot of it comes from a place of awkwardness, of embarrassment, of sadness. But ultimately, we're dealing with a character who is depressed, having not dealt with the death of his brother and figuring out a way to do that on his own is virtually impossible for him right now. And that's why he ends up run down, sick, in a facility being treated for tuberculosis at the end of the story that wraps around back to the beginning and where he's telling it from. All right, we'll pick up next week.